It says that he is above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. Does that sound familiar? I want us to remember that because everything has been subjected under Christ. This is where we find our strength. So you can turn back to chapter 6. So the world says that you can do it. You just think good thoughts. You've got it in you. Um, look within. And you know, you're strong. You're independent. But Paul is saying that you're not. You actually need God to be strong. And I think the hardest part about the workbooks that we've been doing isn't the little eye questions that we've had to answer. If we're being honest, it's probably the one with the little heart next to it. I think applying the word, and I don't know if it's just me, you know, when we're trying to apply the word and, we, and we're asking ourselves how we're applying word, the word, we feel like we're not really measuring up. You know, I wasn't doing what God wants me to be doing. And that's because I'm trying to do it in my own strength. And I think, you know, God saved me to himself, but then I have to do the rest. But it's not like that. If I'm to walk like Christ, I'm to find the strength in Christ and not in my own. We are to be strong in the Lord. And Paul doubles it up to make sure that we don't think otherwise. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So why are we to be strong? Paul says our war isn't against flesh and blood. So that seems odd because Paul is in prison and a person put him in jail. And so the fact that he's saying it's not, you know, it's not flesh and blood that we're against. It's the spiritual forces. It just seems weird. So how do we reconcile that? So it's hard not to think that the enemy must be the people who are in front of us, as Paul would probably think that. And the Ephesians would think that too. You know, their, their leader is in prison, and they're probably scared that they might be arrested by other people as well. But the enemy isn't political regimes or people who are against the gospel. It's the spiritual evil forces behind them. I think it's important to stop and think about this. We live in a culture that says, if I can see it, I'll believe it mentality. But for those of us who believe in God, this isn't our mentality. We know God exists. We believe in the supernatural. So it'd be foolish not also to believe that Satan is working in the supernatural as well. Let's turn to Job 1. It's just before the book of Psalms. Job chapter 1. I'm going to start reading from verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possession have in increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. You can turn back to chapter 2. Or turn to chapter 2 as well, um, of Ephesians. 
So now there's so much theology in the book of Job that goes beyond what I can unpack. But we can see Satan is going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down on it. He's as much part of this world as you and I. And secondly, we can see his desire to sway Job from trusting the Lord. In Job, he is seen taking away possessions and family as well as causing Job's health to spiral out of control. But there are also other ways that Satan works. So in chapter 2, verse 1 of Ephesians, we'll see what is described to people who are not following Christ. They are following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So the spirit of the devil is working through people who don't believe in God. But if you remember the rest of the chapter, God can change those people. So it's not the people that we are against, but it's the evil, evil spiritual forces behind them. These evil forces love sin, and where there is sin, our enemy lies. It's a scary thought. Do you feel weak? Don't lose heart. Christ has all these powers under his feet as we read in chapter 1. We live in this already but not yet state. Christ has defeated these powers, but we still live in a world that is run by the prince of the power of air. Christ will return and throw him in the lake of fire. So let's turn back to chapter 6. Flipping around. So Paul says to be strong in the Lord and to take up his armor. It's because we are still in a battle. The prince of the power of air is still at work. So our next section is how uh, to get dressed for battle. If you notice while reading this, Paul has repeated the word stand four times from verses 10 to 14. If you include the word withstand as well. This is a call to action. We can only do this if we are strong, not in ourselves, but from the Lord. We are about to face the schemes of the devil, but we don't want to have trembling knees, but we can stand firm. And we can do that by dressing ourselves in his armor. So the chapter also talks about the evil day. So what is the evil day? And how did we get into this battle? I keep having us remember chapters 1 to 3 because we need to. We have been redeemed, forgiven, united with Christ. We've been given an inheritance and sealed by the Spirit, all by the grace of God. The devil knows this. He knows that we have been justified, and he cannot take that away. That's chapters 1 to 3. But he's going to try really hard that we are not sanctified. That's chapters 4 to 6, our sanctification. That is the battleground. Our enemy doesn't want us to become more like his enemy, to become more like Christ. When we are trying to walk in a worthy manner, when we are trying to walk in unity, bearing with one another, speaking the truth in love, putting off and putting on the new self, when we aren't angry, bitter, slandering, being malicious but forgiving one another, being tender-hearted and kind, when we aren't indulging in sexual immorality, impurity, and covetousness, when we are striving to be a godly, submissive wife, when our husbands are loving us as Christ loves us, when children are obeying, and when we are honest and good employees, this is the battleground our enemy is going to fight on until the end. This is why Paul tells us to put on God's armor, because we can't be on this battleground without it. Our enemy isn't people, it's sin. It's even our own sin. 
and when we aren't walking like Christ, but we want to do whatever we want. Our enemy is the evil force behind that. So Paul lists the armor. It's knowing the truth. That is scripture. Are we filling our minds with what is true? Are we filling it with scripture? Because every day the devil is going to whisper lies and we can only silence it by knowing the truth. He goes on to list the breastplate, which is knowing God has given us Christ's righteousness. This word can also mean justification. John Stott says, certainly no spiritual protection is greater than a righteous relationship with God. We don't stand condemned before God, but justified. We are righteous in his eyes. We are to put on shoes. It's sharing the gospel that brings peace between sinners and God. The devil hates the gospel because it has the power to snatch captives from his grasp. Our shield is believing in God and what he has done for us in chapters 1 to 3. That can extinguish the fiery darts of our enemy. He doesn't want us to believe that it is by grace that we are saved. He wants us to feel guilt and shame, doubt and fear. But know this, Christian, Christ has paid the price in full. It's also knowing that we are saved once and for all. We have a salvation that can never be taken away. And it's not just protecting ourselves from the blows of the enemy with our armor. We are also to fight our enemy. We are to use the word against him. When sin and temptations come our way, we fight it with the words of God. Notice also in verse 19 that Paul asked the Ephesians to pray that the words that come out of his mouth aren't his words, but the word of God, the gospel. Paul's enemy isn't the Roman ruler. He's not asking for prayer to be released from prison, but that he would have words to say to change hearts. Words to attack the evil forces behind the Roman ruler, behind those who are against the gospel. So we move on to our next section. How do we put on this armor? How do we yield the sword? And how do we get dressed? It's through prayer. Are we praying all the time that God would make chapters four to six true of us? I know I haven't. I'm reading God's word, but I'm not praying for it to be applied to me. Notice how Paul repeats the word all. Imagine replacing the word with some. So let's do that. Let's go to verse 18. So praying sometimes in the spirit with some prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with some perseverance, making supplication for some of the saints. Does that sound like someone who is ready? Like someone who is standing on guard? We need to be prayer all the time. Because one, we, when we aren't, we are relying on our own strength and wisdom. And that will lead us to number two, which is we become more susceptible to sin. And three, we actually fail our brothers and sisters by not praying for them too, which I'll get more into in a second. But are you in strength? Are you in need of strength this morning? Do you feel weak? God offers us all of him. He offers us his armor through prayer. And when we are praying God's word back to him, when we are honest with God about our weakness and humbly asking for help, he will answer. We can ask for help when walking in unity is just hard. We can ask for strength to overcome anger and bitterness with love, kindness, and tenderness. We can ask for a submissive heart when our desire to be over our husbands are strong. When we are praying these things, change will happen. Prayer is one of our greatest weapons, though it is not explicitly listed. 
as one. But look in verse 18. Paul says that we need to be that we need to be praying for all the saints. I'm not the only one who is being attacked by the enemy, but my sisters and my brothers are also being attacked. The greatest thing that I can do for them is to pray, is to pray that they would take up the armor of God, that they too would withstand the enemy and fight. Are we praying for our sisters? Are we praying that they would fight sin? Not in a, I'm strong enough, I can do this on my own, she needs all the help she can get. But knowing that I'm weak without God and his word, and I know my sister will be too if she isn't wielding the armor of God. Paul needed the saints to pray for him too. He needed the power of prayer to do the work of God, and we need that just as much. So I don't know much about war or military, but from what I've studied in movies, <laughs> that soldiers don't act singularly. They act as a unit. They've got each other's back. When they are weakened, they don't leave anyone behind. They call the medics, they wrap the wounds. Soldiers fight together for, against a common, for a common purpose against a common enemy. We are fighting, are we fighting the enemy together? Or are we trying to do it on our own? We have a much greater chance at defeating our enemy, not of flesh and blood, but of evil spiritual forces with our brothers and sisters. Paul ends his letter from the front lines. The enemy is strong, but we're doing well up here. In fact, I'm going to send Tychicus to tell you about it because I know it will encourage your hearts. We're in a spiritual war, but peace to you, brothers and sisters. Love from God and grace to all who love Jesus with love incorruptible. So I found that last word really interesting because it's nowhere else in the Bible. And if you're ever curious about a word, I recommend going to ESV.org and they have like a Greek, Hebrew um, portion. It's not like super extensive. You can read it. And this word for incorruptible can also mean immortal or imperishable. We will never stop loving our Lord Jesus Christ. It's eternal. We will never taste death. The schemes of the devil will have no effect on us when we are trusting the Lord and being strengthened by him. Let's fight our enemy together. Let's stand together, encouraging one another, praying for one another. Ladies, we are saved and we are saved by grace alone. We are in the bosom of our Father forever. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time in the book of Ephesians. We thank you that it has reminded us of our justification and has showed us how we are to walk and become more like Christ. We thank you that it is all by your grace that we can worship you and praise you. We pray that you would give us your armor, Lord, to stand strong against the schemes of the devil. I pray that going forward that we would remember each other by name and pray for one another, knowing that we are weak on our own, but we are strong when we are leaning into you. And so, Father, I pray that you give us strength this morning and in the days to come to fight sin and to glorify you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.